Blog Talk Radio. This pot smells delicious, and it's the base for our ultimate beef stew. Beef stew. Now we're talking about beef stew. Beef stew. Try this beef stew. Try this beef stew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again, we're in the building for part two. You know what we're saying? We're we dealing with the legendary Ski Jump in the building. What's up, Ski Jump? How you doing, brother? <laughs> What's going on, Kev Stu? Chilling, chilling, man. Thank you for coming again for part two, man. No doubt. Oh, yeah, glad to be here. Glad to be here. No doubt, no doubt. Now, we was talking about Mr. Bond, and we was going to talk about Master Don. Can you tell me a little bit about those brothers? Did you know them? Well, you know, Master Don went to Julia Richmond as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we all all hung out a little bit, got along, you know, real good. He's a good man, you know. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a hell of a DJ. No doubt. You know? Yeah. Mr. Bond. Mr. Bond, um, you know, he hung out, you know, he was down with Elmo. El, Elmo, you know, he was, he, was, he was in the game as well. And, um, I mean, then he, then he wound up with um, Jekyll and Hyde and Louie Lou. The DJ Louie Lou back in the days. Um, good, another good brother. You know, I miss him a lot. You know, God bless, you know, God bless him. Why do you yeah, think Louis um, Lou don't get his, his credit? Because th- th- some people used to compare Louis Lou to Grandmaster Flash. Well, I'm not going to make that comparison. I'm going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. All due respect to Louis, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, Louis, was, Louis, was, Louis was up there. He was good. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to give him his props, you know. But um, in my book... Oh, as always, Grandmaster Flash is always going to be number one with me. What about in Harlem? Who was like what you would say was the the top DJ in Harlem that was coming out of Harlem? Um, DJ Spivey from M7, Master Don. Um, you had Donald D and B Fats. Um, DJ Artie Art from the Force of Four. Um, you had a lot of guests that Mr. Freeze. Um, that was down with the Imperial Four and Kenny Sex. They were pretty good. Um, Kid Flash from Wagner Projects. It was a lot of guys that was that was up and coming. That was really good. Mm. What was his name? Rock and Robin. He was down with Kid Flash. No doubt. Yeah. What are some of the clubs like that that y'all used to go be? But what are some of the most famous clubs? Everybody know Harlem well, but I know there was a couple of more that was out. Like you had Chuck Center. You know Chuck Center, you know that that was that was a big big party place right there. Um, then you had um, Clinton Center, the Renaissance Ballroom, Audubon Ballroom. Um, you had um the Celebrity Club, but we didn't do a lot of break dancing in the Celebrity Club, but that was a hot hip hop spot. Um, I mean you you had you had, you had a, quite a few places you know that. And it was mostly schoolyards, you know. Schoolyards, that was, that, was, that was the place to be. You know, because and everybody would show up over there, you know, at different places. Yeah. Do you remember Mount Morris Park when they used to have the basketball games and jams there? Oh, definitely the Rucker games, yes, definitely. Um, then you had um, Each One Teach One right there um, on 118th Street and 5th Avenue. You know, they had a lot of Rucker games going on, but um, Mount Mars Park, 
I lived like a block and a half away. So, you know, I was always there. I grew up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever did you ever get on the mic or battle anybody there? Like when they used to have like the Treacherous Three, like they have a basketball game, like the Treacherous Three against the Furious Five, but they also used to be rocking out there. Did you ever throw down up there? Oh, yeah, we threw down me on DJ Al Ski, on Grand Maestro, Easy Ernie D, and, you know, my crew, the Gangster Five and the Rock City Four. Mm-hmm. Um, we, um, we, we, we party there a lot. You know, we even had guys like Dougie Fresh come out there and, you know, he battled a buddy of mine named, um, Stacy, God bless the dead. But, um, yeah, we, we, we jammed out there constantly. That, that was local. Mm-hmm. Were there yeah. other, like, beatbox cats other than Dougie? Like, you said your man Stacy. Were there other cats out there that was beatboxing then, too? Nobody that was on their level. Mm. You know, Ben, um, to be honest with you, my man, he, my man Stacy, he put in some work that night that he battled. Um, it was on our equipment. Um, he battled Dougie out there, and it, it was really close. Mm. You know, unfortunately, two weeks later after that, the battle, you know, um, Stacy wound up passing. Wow. You know, but yeah, you know, God bless to his family. You know, but um. Dougie and Dougie and Stacy to me were the, the top two in Harlem at that time. Mm. Well, Dougie, you know, Dougie's worldwide, you know, so yeah. you know, you can't question that. You know what I'm saying? That brother that brother's out there. He was young back then. Yeah, he was very yeah, he was very young back then. A lot of cats was really young back then. I think the first time I seen Run, um, it wasn't Run DMC, but Run was ten years old. Back wow. then they called him the son of Curtis Blow. Wow. Yeah, Curtis Blow tried to win a a, a six D you know, six part DJ battle um down at Albert E. Smith High School, um, with some of the great um using run as a DJ because you know that was unheard of for a ten year old to be behind the wheels of steel. Mm. And you know, run run was pretty good. For for a young 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 kid playing behind the turns, he was he was good. Wow, that's real. You just yeah. you just put me up on something right there. Yeah, a lot of people didn't know Rum was a DJ first. Mm-hmm. You're the son of Curtis Blow. Now, now the Gangster Five, like, did who did y'all battle? Did I know y'all had a couple of battles with some cats. Oh, we we had we had a few battles around. Um, we went to different places, Spring Valley upstate. Um, a lot of places in the Bronx. We competed in a lot of the um. Those um, MC conventions and DJ convention flyers that you see, mm-hmm. if, it, if it didn't have um, the Gangster Five, it had me on the solo artist. Because, you know, sometimes we had little issues in our group, like every group does, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes some, a couple of the guys might not show or something like that, and they wound up just putting me on the solo artist on most of those flyers. Yeah. You know, do you feel like, you know, because a lot of people say that, you know, there was a lot of strong groups coming out of Harlem, the Crash crew that had records too, just like Grandmaster Flash. But why do you feel the Bronx, for some reason, just overshines Harlem when it comes to, like, being the – because, you know, it's just a walk over the bridge to the Bronx. Right. It was, it was just the, the different style because back then everybody was trying to sound like them. Well, some cats wanted with some different styles, but everybody was getting the tapes coming from up there. And, you know, guys like me that was constantly going to live back and forth 
you know, up there with my auntie and all of that, you know, we just happened to hear them a lot, and they they were more confident with it than we were at that time. You know, but but Harlem and Manhattan, we, we had our own flavor, our own shine as well. Like I said, all the boroughs brought something different to the table. You know, that, that that's what made hip-hop. All the boroughs contributed. You know, fortunately to me, Queens and Brooklyn always got it after everybody got it, but, you know, but for the most, Harlem, we, we represented what we needed to do, you know, but we didn't get the credit for it. Yeah, you know, you had, you had a lot of guys, man, that was pretty awesome coming out of, out of Harlem. You know, all you had to do is go to the Renaissance, up at the Rennie, the Renaissance Ballroom, places like that, and you, you would get it. That, that's where the, where the baddest DJs would play at. You, you know, let's talk about Mike and Dave. You know, a lot of people say they was like kind of like the first independent label, kind of. Would you say that? Well, that, they weren't a label, but they, they put on a lot of the shows that went on in, in Harlem. Look, they they put me and my crew down on a lot of the shows as well, you know. Mm-hmm. I have to give them their respect and props as well. But they they put on some shows now. I still have some of the Mike Day flyers and stuff like that. Why didn't you, you make a record? Huh? Why didn't you make a record back then? Your name was big enough. You could have made a record. Um, because I was with a, my group. We always had, you know, we had our Eddie Kane and our, um, David Ruffin and our crew, every time we would go to somebody's house to record or somebody would invite us to record, somebody had, you know, you have different personalities in the group. Somebody would always be negative and don't want to go and don't want to do this and that. So we wound up changing a lot of members over the years. But our problem was we were under too many different DJs. We had a lot of DJs that, that represented us. That um played for us um back in those days. We didn't have like a steady DJ that just stayed there, you know, constantly like Flash with his Furious Five, Breakout and Baron or Theodore and them, you know. Mm-hmm. We had we had some good DJs, but they weren't constant as far as being with the group. Mm-hmm. You know, if people become problems, you have to eliminate problems sometimes. Did y'all get you know, paid? You make that your friendships, but. Did, did y'all make money? Did y'all get paid? Yeah, we got we we got paid in um different places. You know, we had we bumped into a few. You know that would get funny with the money at the end of the show. You know, <laughs> you know that that's always going to happen in the music industry. You know, when it's time time to cash some coins and well, just you know you hear a bunch of excuses. You know, but that you know, that was part of the game. You know, and coming up. What do you feel the people out there don't know about Ski Jump? Like, you know, if there's one thing that, you know, when you sit back and you look at you be like, yo, this is what I contributed, and people don't know that I did this. You know, most people know the head spin. What, what, what else that do you feel personally that you contributed to hip-hop? Well, I contributed, you know, my, my, my crew as well, my man Prince Haji, my man Kev Ski and all of them. I mean, um... It, it was it was different 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 elements as far as I was always in the spotlight when it came to dancing back then. Now I was one of the one of the hottest um 
guys that would do the hustle far as in the black neighborhoods. You know what I'm saying? Of course, you had Latinos. They're born with that flavor. You know, but it was me and three other brothers. We, we went from place to place ripping that up to start with. You know, and that was as a young kid. I was nice. And um, from there, I went into b-boying. You know, when I wanted to come up off the floor, I wound up an MC. And as I got older, I wound up in a singing um, situation. Okay. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that, you know, I, I wound up becoming a singer down here in North Carolina, but um, I opened up for a lot of the old school acts, you know, as they come to Fayetteville, North Carolina. Wow. Solo? You do a solo? Yeah, I did solo, yeah. Down wow. here, um, down here, I actually go by Mr. D, the Velvet Teddy Bear, because I <laughs> sing a lot of old school slow joints, okay. you know, reminiscing. You definitely got to send us some footage of that, man, so we can use that and show, you know what I mean, show the transformation of the ski jump, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just, you know, as the years went on, you know, I wound up with some polyps on my vocal cords, so it started causing me to go hoarse, even though I wasn't a smoker or anything like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So for some reason, I don't know if it's because I talk loud, you know, but I just can't figure out how I wound up with the polyps, but... That's part of life. I'm I'm dealing with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What made you leave Harlem and, and go where you at now? Well, when I left Harlem, I was I was married and um I I just wanted a different different atmosphere for my kids to grow up because Harlem, you know, up in the city, everybody knows the city is fast. Yeah. And in places like Fayetteville, North Carolina, you know, you got two to three more years with your children. Because, you know, everything shuts down at a certain time, you know. They still have the same elements everybody else has, except yeah. it shuts down earlier so you don't have your kids ripping and running the streets, you know, later. Yeah. You know, but, it, it, it I mean, it won't stop the circle of life. You know, but, it, like I said, you have two to three more years with your children if you have young children, you know. But I, I miss being home, you know, but... As the years went on, you know, five years ago my mother passed, so I have to um, worry about my siblings that's still up there. All my siblings are still in New York, in Harlem, in the Bronx, you know. But for the most of all, if they want to know about me, I'm a good man, you know. I don't I don't cause problems. You know, I don't get into problems. I stay out the way, you know, and I, I'm down with everybody. That's what's up. That's that's not you know what you feel about the b boys now when you see the break dancers now where where has break b boying went to the level it went to and how big like France Japan how that make you feel when you see that man I, hey it, it gives me a great feeling knowing that I contributed to opening up the door for that era you know mm-hmm. for that genre and um I mean when I see them boys I'm proud of them. I'm like, wow, these kids are nasty, you know, but it's always easier to improve something once you see it done. You know, like I said, who did it first really matters, but it's always room to expand and to grow. You know, and growth growth is always going to be good in life. No doubt. I wish I could do some of the stuff them young kids can do these days. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, now, and now I'm a big old teddy bear. I know I can't do none of that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, 
did every, anybody ever invite you out to come talk to them and be like, let them know, like, yo, this cat was one of the cats who did that? Anybody ever say that, man? Um, Down here, um, a couple guys have um asked me about doing things like that. But, you know, I left New York about 30 years ago. Yeah, 32 years ago, on well, 30 years. So, you know, I really haven't been where people actually know exactly who you are. Yeah. You know, until um, the um, hip-hop um, hip hop honors came down here to Fayetteville, and they called me on stage, or, you know, introduced me as the guy that that um, introduced um, Master D from Houdini to um, the hip-hop game when we uh-huh. went to high school. And um, they had me sing a cappella up there, you know, but it, let, people after that started like, yo, we didn't know you was part of hip-hop, you know. Mm-hmm. And I started getting even more props when it comes to hip hop, yeah, man, it's just. But they don't know anything about ski jump. They know um Big D or Mister D. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you gotta let them know about ski jump, man, because well, I always do. I always do. Cause that's I'm really gonna that name the rest of my life. No doubt, and it's a part, and it's a really big part of history because, like I said, man, that now the days, you know, they spinning on, they spinning on top of each other heads now. You know, they putting yeah. another dude. You know what I'm saying? And you, and you, the first dude who inspired that, like, so it, it definitely need to be wrong. You know what I'm saying? That's Hall of Fame type of stuff, man. And well, yeah, I don't know if I, I, I can't help you get there, but if this, if anybody listening to this show, it's definitely a fact. So it definitely need to be thought about. You know. And that's true, you know, because like I said, you know, I thought hip-hop just forgot about guys like me and a lot of the other unsung brothers, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, it seemed like hip-hop only only remembers the guys that are making records. They don't remember the guys that actually kicked the door in to make it, you know, make that genre happen, you know? Yeah. You know, because a lot they of, don't a lot remember of when it wasn't on radio. You know, a lot of cats don't remember when you only could hear it in the record store or you heard a tape. You know, they don't remember. Or, or, or WHBI. Or WHBI late night and like 2 in the morning or some shit like that. Yeah, with Mr. Magic in them, Mr. yeah. Yeah, you know. So. And then and much props to him, you know, because he, he put us on the map. Mm-hmm. You know? And he don't get the props he should have been getting. You know, without WHBI, hip-hop wouldn't have got his known like they would have because the other stations wouldn't play the young the young people's music. What we were into, you know. It, but um, what was it, your favorite it, it, jam to to, to to go down on? What beat was your favorite beat when somebody threw it on? That was like your favorite joint. Like, oh, I'm gonna kill this beat. Um, I like um the the Mexican Sex Machine. Mm. You know, I used to like um Apache was always everybody's favorite, but you know, Just Begun. You know, um, Senate Planetary Citizen. I used to like that. You know, I mean, it was it was it was a lot. It was a blow you blow your head by JB and um, Fred Wesley and the JBs. Yeah, you know, joints like that. Once you hear, once you hear, just come on there. You knew it was getting ready to go on. You start looking around and see who else getting ready to head to the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like like that was that was like an alarm. Yeah, and and the crazy part about it, Public Enemy ended up using it as their first song, one of their first yeah. songs. Yeah. Yep. So but um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what they've done with it because during that time, really, whether people admit it or not, we always thought it was going to fade out. We just thought it was a fad at, at one point. But then the younger generation came in and they put some extra stuff in it, and they, they got it what it is today. When did you know it was, like, going to stay? Like, what where, what, what, time and, like, what age you was at when you knew it, like, yo, this shit is, like, bigger than, you know, what we thought we had? Um, I, I say about 82, 84, somewhere around then. Um, I guess, I guess I was, um, well, um, I guess I was about 22 years old, something like that. I had started fading out because, um, they came out with that, that one, um, windmill move, you know, with the guys we spinning on, you know, it's not on their back, but on their shoulders going around. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, just couldn't yeah. get my body to do that. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and all my guys could do it, even the floor master tots. All them boys could do it. I just couldn't get myself to do it. And that let me know I was getting older. Mm. You know, so really, you know, then you know, I started going and getting into my mature stage. So I figured I'd come up off the floor. You know, but um, I don't regret anything. Whether I recorded, whether I didn't, I'm glad to be a part of it. You know, and, and always will rep it, you know. No doubt. What, yeah, what you, these kids today are amazing. Yeah, and 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 I, that's now. I just want you to take time out before I, you know, and we're gonna come back tomorrow and and continue this for the last part three. But um, I just want it for the for the last part three. But I just want you to take time out right now and and, and talk to the kids about hip hop and what it what how was it what would it really make? And a lot of people see the violence and everything and all that. Let them know, like from somebody who was actually a pioneer of it. What was it really for? Even though it had a lot to do with beef, but what, what, what was the main meaning for it? Right, right. You know, to me, it was just being able to express yourself. You know, in different ways, and like I said, instead of going to fist fights and stuff like that, you you talk through all the moves that you do. You know, and you want to show that you was the baddest thing. That ever hit that floor. You know, if you wasn't gonna come original and come with something that can make me ooh and ah, then you didn't belong in that floor. You know, so the young kids, I mean, it kept a lot of us out of trouble at the same time. It caused a little bit of trouble, but it kept us out of trouble most of the time. Most of the time, we somewhere rehearsing and trying to, you know, improve what we do. You know, it's all a development thing. And it was good exercise at that time, you know, because breakdancing is like gymnastics, mm-hmm. you know. It all depends on how flexible your body was and how creative you got. No, you're right. You're definitely right. And kids are missing that because it was like when we was younger, a lot more people broke with breakdancing. You know, it'd be like your whole project used to be trying to break dance back in the days in the seventies, you know. It kinda of faded right. out like like to just certain crews. But it was one point in time that everybody used to be boy and and, you know, and, you know, in your in your neighborhood or try to. Right. And and that's very true, you know, just the 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 best of the ones that survived, you know, and got the reputation for it. Mm-hmm. You know, because everybody that go on that floor, like I said, 
are not ready. They just know a little something, but to get out there and put your attitude into it and, and your brain into it, that's what counted. You, know, you had to have that, that B-boy swag. You know, without that swag, you know, you really didn't make sense because nobody paid attention to you. So you almost had to be like a B-boy gangster. You know, to come out there and, you know, do what you do and walk away from it and live to see another day, you know? And I heard somebody from Zulu say that. They was like, yo, the B-boys was like the gangsters. The B-boys was like the fly dudes of the of the party. You know what I'm saying? Right. And people don't realize right. that. Because back then, just like nobody nobody was wearing wide brim below a hat, the Barcelona hats before I started wearing them while I was breakdancing. That was my signature move, mm. you know, signature look. And um, I had my brims on and my goggles. Mm. You know, because back then everybody designed who they were by what you wore. You know, like my partner, MC Priest, rest in peace. You know, he always came out there, bad, bad MC from Jefferson Project. You know, I knew him since I was... Five and he was eight, you know, living on 118 and 117 and Fifth Avenue. And um, he would come out there with a priest collar on and a Bible in his hand, mm. you know, just like little Star Child. Star Child, he, he, he put it out there but didn't get the credit for how good he was, mm-hmm. you know. But it was, a, it was a lot of cats that just – you, you you had to look at look of you had to have the look of who you were. So when you step in that party, the ooze uh start like yo, there you go, that's that guy. You remember Fantastic Four with Little Champ, DJ Champ? Yes. Yep, you had a lot of guys like them on um, my man Dollar Bill and Tank. Um, you had them boys from Carver Project, from East River Project. My boy Mario and all of them from down there, from um, 1199 buildings. And, I mean, it was a lot of cats that, that got out there and represented. And the West Side Boys was pretty nice as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because I had, a, I, had to, I had to get it in all the time. When I went to the Renaissance, you know, the Renaissance Ballroom and stuff like that, a lot of them cats was ready, you know, and they had a whole other style than what we had on the East Side, mm-hmm. you know. Just so happened, you know, we... We we prevailed. Yeah, no, I never seen nobody actually sit there and get killed while breakdancing. You might have got in a little push and shove matches, you know. Yeah. You know, a little you know attitudes flowing, but nobody actually got gunned down, and you know it, it never got that serious. You know, with today, you know, you get into a little something and. Next thing you know, somebody coming around and shoot you up. Yeah. You know, and, and and that's not what you're looking for. You know, you out there to, you know, to, to keep the peace in a way by dancing instead of fighting. You know, because violence is easy to do. You know, but get out there and show me something else besides violence, you know. No doubt. Something you got to put your mind to. Because, you know, none of us really had it going on for so much. You know, we all come from the same hood. You no, know, we didn't. We didn't have the no valleys and no no you know people that 
really had a lot of money and stuff like that, except for the guys that was out there hustling. You know, but for the most, it was guys that didn't have a whole lot to do that, that stayed out of trouble by dancing. I know a lot of the young men today are still trying to carry that on, though. Yep. They're doing ciphers and stuff like that instead of getting out there and, and trying to kill each other over it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ski, man, I, I got I, I got to let you go. We got, I'm going to catch back up with you for part three tomorrow, man. But, you know, I went tomorrow, man, I want you to tell them, actually, we're going to talk about, actually, being that you was just talking about that, the park jams, on how good they was and how much how much you would have fun and not have a fight. But we don't got the time now. But I want to talk about that tomorrow. If you if I could call you tomorrow or contact you tomorrow, we could do it again. Well, Devin, that sounds like a winner, brother. All right. And it, like I always say, salute to you, brother, for what you're doing. Thank you. Salute to you for coming through. Once again, y'all, it's Beef Through Radio. Y'all make sure y'all tune in for the final part three. And like I said, this interview will be on the documentary with pictures and all that so you can see, so you can get a real good feel of everything. So once again, it's Beef Through Radio. We tuning out. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Beef Through Radio, capital, uh, Beef Through Radio, capital um, letters, and the number 11. We out, y'all. See y'all later. We out. This pot smells delicious and it's the base for our ultimate beef stew. Now we're talking about beef stew. Beef stew. Try this beef stew. Try this beef stew.